Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a guy joining us from the Bay Area in California, the San Francisco Bay Area. So, hey, hang tight. We'll be right, right back if I could talk this morning. See you guys in a second. And we are back. Let me go ahead and bring Hans Struzina on the show. Hans, welcome to the show. Ken, man, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. That intro video got me all pumped up and I'm glad to be Good. part of that guest lineup now. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, man, I'm glad to have you here. So um, I hear your microphone moving a lot or something. I don't know what it's what it's doing. How about now? There, there you go. Um, All right, so, good. so Hans, I, you're in the, what in the world are you drinking? What is that? <laughs> Bulletproof coffee. Let me see that, man. That's like the biggest cup of coffee I think I've ever seen. Yeah, baby. Wow. Dude. So, so, Hey, there's Jamie green. She's out in your neck of the woods somewhere in the California area. <laughs> well, California is kind of a big spot, but yeah, that's all. Awesome. Yeah. I think she's in I'm the Bay home. area. I don't know. Jamie, where are you out there? Hans is in the, you're in the San Francisco area, right? Yeah. Yeah. East Bay specifically. So oh, right near Oakland. Okay. Okay. Good morning, Curtis and Brian Hess is here. We got some rock stars joining us. So, so Hans, um, I'm sure that growing up with a name like Hans, people said, oh, my God, that reminds me of that Saturday night skit, the Dana Cart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's the beach, man? Come on. <laughs> yeah. My name is, what is it? We are Hans and Franz. Hans and Franz, and yeah. we are here to pomp you up. Yeah, you got it, man. You got it. That's freaking <laughs> awesome, dude. So, so man, this I created this show about two and a half years ago. Um, I've interviewed over three hundred celebrities and entrepreneurs, and and um, and you know, th this is really it's about your life story, where you know where you were born and raised, and some of the challenges you faced and how you got through them. So, why don't we start with where you were born and raised? Yeah. Well, I originally grew up in the Seattle, Washington area, uh, Pacific Northwest all my life, kind of um, just thought that that's where I would always be. Uh, long story short is anyone who's ever been to Seattle knows that there's water pretty much everywhere. And uh, I found my way into the sport of rowing and we can kind of unpack that and some other stuff. But through that, I went to the University of Washington rode competitively, found my way to the national team, the U.S. rowing national team, and uh, ultimately made the Olympic team. And that's that's what actually brought me to California in the first place. And then after I retired, I stayed here and am making life happen down here in California right now. Dude, that's okay. We're going to talk about that. First, let's cover Jamie's in Marin, which is a bit north. Marin, Marin County. Just the, my, the, my the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. 
my buddy Charles is in Silicon Valley. So look at this, oh, yeah. man. You guys are like all a bunch of early risers and stuff, man. It's awesome. Yeah, we got the 8 a.m. club here. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so and Richard, Richard's in Hawaii. He's in Ooh. the 2 a.m. club. <laughs> wow. Jeez. <laughs> that dude right there is a legend, man. That guy's been on the show. He's a he's a legend. Um, so so let's talk about your so, so uh, I used to live in Seattle. I, I think I told you that I used to mm -hmm. there for about a year and um, you're right. It, there's water everywhere, like literally everywhere. Um, Jamie just said she grew up in Puyallup. So there you go. Um, wow. We're, <laughs> we're aligning on a lot of stars. here. <laughs> I know, right? So, so um, how rowing. Yeah. Across the Puget Sound or Lake Washington. And originally it was Lake Sammamish. Uh, okay. So any, uh, again, if you've ever been there, you know, you've probably seen Lake Washington. Um, that's yeah. the, the big main lake that, you know, the majority of the bridges go over and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I grew up on the east side. So think Redmond where Microsoft uh, was founded. Yeah. That's where I grew up. Um, is wow. that general vicinity. And that's where Lake Sammamish is, is, is it kind of goes between Issaquah and Redmond. And yeah. it's a nice, long, skinny lake. Uh, basically, it's all residential houses with docks on it. And, uh, and there's a rowing club at one end. So um, my family, I think I was 13, they found out that we could take private rowing lessons as a, as a, as a group, just the four of us and, you know, get out there and do it as a summer activity and a fun thing as a, as a family to do. And so they signed us up for that. And that was my first intro into rowing. And we, we got into these big fat singles that um, were uh, supposedly impossible to flip. Although we, we did our best to flip them over those first couple of tries and wow. um, something about it, man, just kind of stuck with me. I, I was, I was actually a small kid um, so I played football, I played basketball, I did track, I did a lot of the main sports that most people try. And, uh, I just grew a lot later. And so by freshman year of high school, I was one of the older kids, but usually the lightest and the shortest. And, uh, I, I had a desire to compete and I found rowing and I found that it was in a contact sport, obviously, and you didn't have to jump people. So that was appealing and it was more based on how much you could work uh, in your own station or on the rowing machine and, and be part of a team. And I, I that really appealed to me. So I, I joined the fall season and basically just kept going and every season from there on. Dude, that is my least favorite machine at the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent more time on my of my life on that machine than I care to admit. That, sure. That's crazy, man. Like you have you must have some unbelievable upper body strength to yeah. To, to, so you went through all this as a kid, and and you was there a rowing team in high school? Yeah. So especially on the West Coast, it's almost all club. So there are okay. a handful of private schools or um, prep schools that will have rowing teams, but in the East coast, especially in the Northeast, you know, Boston, New York, Connecticut, there are, there are clubs that or excuse me, um, teams that are part of the actual school, but on the West coast, it's pretty much rec clubs and wow. anyone from the region kind of shows up. So that was another actually big thing for me was, was I went to a small private 
uh, Christian high school. And I think I had 82 kids in my graduating class ultimately. So it was pretty intimate. And, and I think 50 something of us were together since almost kindergarten. So, you know, think small world, right? So rowing really got me out of that bubble and into, and I literally got to know kids from every single major high school in the region uh, through that, uh, just being on a team with them and then ultimately competing against them and then doing camps with them in the summer. And, you know, it just really opened my, my social horizons as well as athletically and all that other stuff. So you ended up, I'm, I'm assuming you then went on to college or how, how did the, so you, you were on the Olympic rowing team, the U S Olympic row, U S Olympic rowing team. You got it. Um, and when was that? What was, was that during college before? So that was 2016. Um, so five years after I graduated college is when I actually made the team. Wow. Um, yeah. So I tried for the London team, the 2012 team, and I was cut in May for the August Olympics. So I was towards the end of the cuts. Um, London, yeah. England. Yeah, that was where the 2012 games were. Oh, you were tra- you were, but with the U.S. team. Correct. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. You yeah. They were being hosted the- in London. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm changing my citizenship and leaving <laughs> America, which isn't a bad idea right now, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No hate mail. Um, so, so, so you, okay. So you were in college. What'd you go to college for rowing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, kind of. Yeah. So really? the, no, um, oh. <laughs> I mean, anyone who's a student athlete, they tell you it's academic, you know, student first, then athlete. But yeah. you know, the, the practicality of that is, is usually not the case. Um, yeah. So University of Washington is a really strong rowing tradition and anyone who grew up in Seattle knows about it. Um, We had, as a school, had been rowing for over 100 years at that point. And it's it's actually the second oldest sport on campus. I think football predates it by like two years or something. Um, So it's a really big tradition and there's a ton of history with the program. Um, And obviously they've had a lot of success over the years. And so I just knew that I wanted to be part of that. My grandfather was a um, went to University of Washington, played football back in his day. My mom went there, so I kind of had this legacy thing going that I I wanted to be part of. And so I was fortunate enough to uh, be recruited. Um, though, as you can imagine, with rowing, there's not a ton of money and tons of scholarships. Although UW does have a, a really strong endowment program for scholarships. Wow. Um, but being that I was in state going to uh, a state school, you know, I had probably the cheapest path towards a college education that one could have um, in that scenario. And so they offered me some other stuff as opposed to an actual scholarship. And and to be fair, I was sort of an unproven sort of Northwest kid. Um, and they brought in people who had been to the Junior World Championships and had rode for their various uh, countries national teams and that sort of thing. So I, I still had some work to do when I showed up on campus, but that's, that's wow. That was basically the first step. So, so you were, um, so you, you got out of college. What was your, did you graduate college? I'm assuming I did. Yeah. What so was your business administration. So I had just okay. kind of a general business degree. And then I had a focus in entrepreneurship. Awesome. Um, I had a, 
I did the weed out like accounting course that they try and, you know, curve to a 2.8 and get everyone to quit kind of thing. And I did yeah. pretty well on that actually. So I was on a, on an accounting track for a minute and then I realized I didn't want to do the internships. I didn't want to do the tax season. I didn't want to do spreadsheets all day, every day. So yeah. I pivoted into a, a entrepreneurship. I, I, I don't blame you on that. So you, you, um, you get out of college and, I mean, you had to have continued rowing. Oh, yeah. So college, so four years that you have your NCAA eligibility. So you've you've got your four years and you can do a red shirt. As everyone knows who watches football or basketball, you can do a red shirt year. Most people don't in the rowing or the, the lesser known sports or sort of the fringe sports. Um, you just kind of do your four years and you that's what you do. And so I was done with my four years of eligibility in the end of 2011, um, had, had some tremendous success at UW and we, uh, you know, we won two national championships and then we're second place in the other two. So we, we had a really good string. And then, um, after I left, I was the first, my, my senior year was the first of five consecutive national championships. So we not only, it, the program continued to do well after I left, which was awesome because I felt like I kind of helped build that base a little bit. But, um, but yeah, as soon as I was back, I finished my finals after the national championship in the in the summer, and basically got on an airplane and went to the national team a day or two later. And uh, so I moved down to San Diego uh, to join up with the uh, at the Olympic Training Center that's out outside of uh, San Diego and Chula Vista, and uh, just tried to get a, a shot to get a seat race to get into one of the boats that was going to the world championships that year. Um, wow. didn't, wasn't able to prove to the coach that I, I had what it took. Um, in, he had a very, uh, I don't, I don't want to say old school philosophy, but he definitely was the opinion that like you had to put in time to really be good at the next level, which he's right to some degree. And, and so I was sort of on the uh, the B squad for a long time on the national team. And, you know, and then I moved around all over the country a couple different times the subsequent year and ended up um, back in Chula Vista uh, in May when I was when basically the final selections were made. And um, they told me I was not one of them. So I was like, OK, it's wow. May. 2012 what do i do now so i drove back to seattle and and mind you i hadn't um where's where's trula vista is that california chula vista so think like yeah so it's it's think chula Chula, c-h-u-l-a yeah chula vista okay i think it's like 20 minutes 25 minutes uh kind of southeast of downtown uh san diego oh okay with no traffic you could be down to the gas lamp in about 25 minutes okay Wow. Um, which we had our fair share of nights out there uh, when we didn't have a morning session. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I basically, I was a young guy. I was kind of pissed off. I was, uh, you know, I think I was 24 or 23 at the time. I, frankly, I didn't know a lot. I wasn't in the scene for quite as long as I needed to be. Um, yeah. but I had some skills. I was, I was fast. I was, um, you know, rode decently well, but I, I didn't know necessarily how to do it at the next level. Cause it's one thing to, to go be a good rower on one day, but you have to really figure out how to do it weeks, months in a row. 
at yeah. a very high level. And that, that takes a level of like mental maturity that I just didn't have at that point. So, um, long story short is, is cut. It's kind of like, shoot, what do I do now? And, and, and so I and went when home. You, when you say national team, I, I, so is, is rowing a professional sport? Oh no. Oh. <laughs> it's professional in the sense that it takes all of your time and it's the, the one main thing that you do. And it's the one thing you care about. Um, wow. but, but not in the sense that like you can make a living at it. So there's no multi-million dollar contracts, <laughs> not in the United States. No. Um, yeah. wow. they'll give you a stipend every month that kind of cat it, it, it's tiered. So there's three levels and it, and it depends on the level you're on, but it's somewhere between 400 to about 1200 bucks a month. And then they'll put you on, um, they'll put you on, uh, the insurance program, which you have to pay taxes on, which is pretty frustrating when you get that tax bill at the end of the year. Wow. Um, and, uh, and then from there, you're kind of relying on donations and the generosity of people to house you or to, you know, help you out in various ways. A lot of family support, frankly, wow. um, or you get a job and you figure out how to balance all of that. So, so you were, um, well, okay. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that. So this was after college, you're on a national rowing team. Yeah. Well, wow. so the way it really works is more like you're, you're at the training center working every day for the opportunity to make the national team. So they reset the team formally okay. every single year for that year's world championship circuit. Got it. And, um, the world championships, which is usually sometime in August is what everyone is gunning for. And, uh, there's a, there's a handful of world cups and some other races predominantly in Europe, um, yeah. that, that matter. And the, the world championships, the one that matters the most, that's the one everyone wants to be on. And there's a, a lot of different paths to get yeah. to those, uh, to those races. But Ernest yeah, it's, wants it's to know if you're in, in Germany. No, he's in California, so might as well be Germany. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like it's like another country out there, isn't it? It is. Um, it is. So, so, so you ended up. So you got cut from the national team. You got a job, I'm assuming, at some point. Yeah. So, so got cut. Didn't didn't make the 2011 team, and then didn't make the Olympic team in 2012. So I. I uh, went back to Seattle and I hadn't finished all of my credits. I still had a, a couple of credits worth of, of classes to take. So I got back in and re-enrolled at, at UW and um, basically just finished out. I think I had like four or five classes to do over two quarters. And so I knocked those out, finished my degree. And in the meantime, just kind of trained on my own and just lived, actually lived at my dad's place um, and was just kind of going to school, training, kind of little frankly aimless and trying to like figure out what to do um you know getting i was i was about as free as free could be i was living in my dad's spare room he um was working all the time and then had a, a girlfriend and all of that sort of stuff so we saw yeah. each other a couple times a week and and then i was kind of on my own a lot and yeah. obviously had a social network there but um and was kind of training kind of not training and you know, enough that I was, I was still staying fit and could compete, but it, I just didn't have that drive for probably four or five months at least. Right. And then, um, you know, I, I 
basically decided at, and this is a relevant part of my story is, um, I was like, you know, I could stay here. I could get a job. I've got a ton of job prospects, frankly, because of just the network I had built up through rowing and people knew me and I just, I had, you know, stayed in touch with some pretty key people. Plus I had a lot of family in, in the area and all that sort of stuff. So I, I realized, you know, if I want to pursue this, this Olympic dream, which I know is real and I know I'm capable of achieving, um, I'm going to have to commit to it. And then I said, you know, well, what if, what if I just go into business and start making money and, you know, pursuing a, a professional career and get a girlfriend or whatever. Um, and, and every time I went there, I, I then immediately fast forwarded till I couldn't compete anymore. And as anyone knows, athletes have shelf lives. And so I always thought if I'm 40 and I had succeeded financially and I had gone through, all, you know, all these different businesses and I had made money and I had a house and did all the things that a 23 year old thinks are important at the time. Um, but I hadn't tried this, like really, truly given this a, a real shot, right. you know, I would, I would have regret and I couldn't do anything about it at that point. I could always, you know, start a business or make more money when I'm 40 or whatever. Um, that was my thought at least. Yeah. And, you know, turns out that was good advice. Cause I kept, um, so I, I basically said, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to go train with people. I can't just do this on my own thing because I'm kind of floundering. Yeah. So I found my I found a club in California, um, in the Bay Area specifically. That's called was called the California Rowing Club. That was run by this German guy who's a former lightweight in the German national team. He was totally insane <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, his training methodologies were just crazy. And he was just kind of a kooky individual in the first place, but awesome wow. coach, frankly. Um, wow. And so I would go down on the weekends to go train with them and do like three, four day training trips. Um, Cause my class schedule, I only had class uh, Monday through Thursday. So I could do Friday, Saturday, Sunday down here. And I would yeah, do that. Only, and that's I was only like an what, eight, seven, eight hour drive, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I mean, I was just hopping on a Southwest flight because oh, Seattle yeah. to Oakland is an hour yeah. and change yeah. you know, take off to touchdown. So it was no yeah. big deal. And Southwest, you know, it's cheap. So that yeah. worked as yeah. well at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I, frankly, there was kind of a, a, a big decision point. I actually had a job offer from somebody doing insurance and he's like, I can really get you to a place where you're making like 300 grand a year within like a year or two, because I know you'll do the work and I can train you all personally, mentor you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, what am I, what am I doing? And ultimately it was like, I can probably go get that job in four more years if I want, Yeah. if I really commit to this. Um, but I can't, I can't, you know, do the Olympics in four more years if I take this time off. So yeah, I really need to make that decision. And, and ultimately I made the decision to drive myself pack my car, throw my, my single, my boat on top of the roof, um, and drive down to California and, and get be full-time with this high performance club that was forming and, um, to start actually training every single day. How did you pay your bills though? I mean, did I you had, didn't have a job? Right. So I had a, so a couple of things I, number one is, uh, when you, when you are a rower, you, oftentimes rely on the generosity of other people who want to support you in your Olympic pursuit. So 
I had wow. uh, some, some friends, some family friends who, who let me crash with them as soon as I landed and they were retirees. So they didn't have kids or anything and they were, they would cook for me and, you wow. know, basically gave me a place to be. Um, and then my dad was helping me out at the time to get, get stabilized with the understanding that, um, you know, I would find a job. And within, yeah. I think within two months of being there, I had a job, okay. um, of whole things selling beer <laughs> in the South Bay for Gordon Biersch. Wow. Um, anyone from the Bay area knows that brand probably. I know, um, I know there's Gordon Biersch restaurant here in Columbia. Yeah. 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 The, the Gordon beer sh that, and that is, um, interestingly enough, not associated with the brewery anymore. It's just a brand that is, wow. uh, has, has been bought. It's like a, you know, BJ's or any of the other kind of right. bigger chain. But it's brand, a right? It originally started, but there's an, uh, ABC laws, the alcohol beverage control board or whatever. Um, basically said at the when they founded it basically they that brewery in particular was a um went like the tech boom they they killed it in the 90s they they were 500 tap handles in santa clara county where they were based yeah. um and and when you look at the fact that there was like 600 bars in santa clara yeah. county they were killing it wow um and then they opened up the the brew pub uh because one of them was a brewer one of them was a restaurateur and they joined forces and then they were selling too much beer related uh, as a percentage of how much food they were selling. And so they had to split the holdings and long story short is it really hurt the brand, but yeah. Um, wow. But I, I found my way into a sales position there and it was awesome because I had a expense account. I could go into the cooler and get as much beer as I wanted whenever I wanted. Wow. Um, I was driving a lot. That was a big downside, but it was a really awesome transitional job. Uh, and it was fairly flexible uh, for my training schedule and all that sort of thing. So that was, that worked out, um, immediately. So that, so, so enter job. And then I decided to, uh, after about eight months, this, the lifestyle wasn't really working out because I was driving anyone who knows Oakland down to San Jose, I was driving 40 minutes to then get to my territory. And then I would drive all day to go see accounts. Um, wow. And, and when you're trying to train twice a day for a high performance endeavor, it's, that's not something that <laughs> is yeah. conducive to high performance, um, right. in general. Right. And, and then throw beer on top of that. So I'm going into bars and restaurants all the time. Um, so basically I decided I need to make a change and there's gotta be something that's, that's as flexible, but more local. Yeah. And I found a job selling solar. So, that's what um, Jamie. I, that's what Jamie Green does. The, yeah, the woods out there by you. That's what she does. No way, what, whole time. What? What? Uh, what company? I'm not sure if she's still on. She'll, she's still she'll on. Maybe she can tell yeah. us. Um, but I was doing. Uh, I was basically the one call closer. Um, so they would have a door knocking team go hit a neighborhood. Yeah. They would set appointments, and I would show up. And my yeah. job was to to walk in and then walk out with a signed contract. Yep. And if I didn't, that was it On to the next one. Um, right, no right. contact with that client ever again. So, um, I, my second ever appointment I closed and then I think I, I don't know how many I closed that first month and a half, but it was a lot. Um, and then from there, <laughs> this is what the sales manager told me is I got too smart for my own good and started to think too much and got out of their little system and their yep. presentation that they were having us do. 
Um, I mean, it was a lot of like old school stuff. It was like very like you're trying to build urgency. You're running around unplugging. You're doing an energy audit, plugging, unplugging people's stuff and like going right. over their bills and talking about how uh, PG&E is our energy provider is hiking up rates. And that was like an hour of the whole thing. And then the next hour was was the presentation of the actual solar. And long story short is I, I did that for a while. It worked. I made enough money to um, support myself for the next two years or so. Um, and in that time I was training and it, I, most of my appointments were in the evening, but it got to a point where the, the, cause obviously you can't hit every neighborhood every week. Um, right. so they had to keep expanding out and they, uh, they started going up to Petaluma and I actually got sent up to Sacramento a couple of times. And if anyone knows, that's it, that's a minimum 90 minute drive with no traffic. And you're doing that at rush hour. I mean, I was literally leaving two or three hours ahead of appointments sometimes wow. and, and being late. It was like, I, there's nothing you can do with the period traffic in that case. Um, so, wow. so that was just getting crazy. And uh, long story short is I, I decided I needed to make another change and, um, by that time, it was kind of middle of 2015 and things uh, training wise were going OK. The The high performance club was really not um, performing at a high level for a variety of reasons and uh, it, not necessarily a lack of effort or uh, will, just management issues and you know, coaching issues and, you know, a mentality that was starting to spread through the boathouse that wasn't healthy. Um, but then a couple of us really kind of buckled down and, and, and teamed up and we got together in a boat, um, a four person boat and it was starting to click and go really well. And, uh, by that point it was, uh, we're ramping up to go to the, the world championships in 2015, which is a really big race. Um, because not only yeah. is it the year before the Olympics, but it, 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 it guarantees your country a spot in the Olympics because um, they they have less entries in the in the Olympic rowing than in the World Championships, and uh, and so for our particular event, you had to get in the top eight, so A final plus two in the B final, and um, so it was very competitive field. And uh, long story short, is the United States as a whole across mo many boat classes, especially on the men's side, did not perform particularly well. Wow. Um, our boat included. I mean, we, we going back to like, you have to have some experience. We had um, a variety of experiences in that boat and some, some people just, you know, handle pressure differently and in those moments. And, um, and that's why you have to like be in the sport for a while. Cause your whole year comes down to two or three trips down the race course ultimately. And that's their like six minute races. So it's like Jeez. a lot of pressure and a lot of training into a small window of time. Right. Yeah. So wow. um, we, you know, we didn't perform well. The men's eight didn't perform well. The men's four did okay. Um, but they had a guy who got sick. It was like a whole mess. And uh, so basically um long story short is we came, uh, I had stopped working about a month or two previous to that. I had gotten some people to sort of support me with some donations through the club that were tax write-offs and, and that kind of carried me through the world championships. Um, 
financially and, and mind you, of course, I got really good at being very lean and, and not sure, you know, living a ridiculous lifestyle or anything. Right. And, um, you know, so it, it really, uh, it was really kind of another one of those gut check moments there. Um, and, and then, so, so not only did our boat not do well, but a, a bunch of the other boats from the, the club or the camp system didn't do particularly well either. And so the, the people who were making the decisions decided that they needed to open the camp up. Um, and the camp formally is the national team, it's the national training center, but they had kind of limited the slots uh, for a while, which I was offered one in 2013 and, and I think at least one other time, but I didn't long uh, politics uh, mostly I didn't want to be part of. Um, and I, I felt like I could do a better job training on my own, which in some ways I did and in some ways I didn't. And, uh, so they basically opened the doors and they brought in as many people as they could for, uh, to basically rebuild that team starting in September of 2015. The only problem was, is they're based in Princeton, New Jersey. And, um, oh, I was in California at the time. So, you know, again, coming back to like, if I don't do this, uh, I need, you know, I'm going to have regret. And so I, I was dating, uh, my girlfriend who's now my wife at the time. And she was a rower. She was in the 2012 Olympics. She totally understood it. And she's like, this sucks, but you have to go. Like you cannot stay here if you want to make the team. And so, so you she, moved to New Jersey. I moved to New Jersey. Yeah. Wow. Nobody moves to New Jersey. <laughs> Princeton's not We're too bad, but, it, but it is New still Jersey. New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> wow, dude. So, yeah, so and you left your girlfriend in California. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And she was still training for her own. She was, so she's a lightweight rower. Okay. And, uh, and she was still training at the time and sort of on the edge of like, do I retire the, the, the politics of this and some of the other stuff is not working. Yeah. Um, and so she, she did decide to retire. And so she got into her career and then basically just supported me, um, you know, emotionally. Good. That's awesome. Otherwise, yeah. You found a sugar mama. <laughs> she wasn't. <laughs> She wasn't making a ton of money at the time either, but, yeah, um, I'm just but playing. yeah, she was holding it down. Um, and, and I found someone cause we had an apartment together. So we found yeah. a mutual friend to move into the other room so that my wow. part of the rent was covered. Like it kind of yeah. just aligned in so many ways that were just That's in cool. retrospect, crazy and beautiful. But so, um, so you, you, you went, so you were in New Jersey, you go to New Jersey. How long were you in Jersey? Uh, so the, the first stint was, you know, late September till early December. And okay. then obviously gets way too cold over there. So then we moved to Florida for two weeks or just over two weeks to do a training camp. Wow. And that's where they made the first round of cuts. Um, and I was well safe of the cut line at that point, luckily, but a yeah. bunch of guys got cut. And then, um, we disbanded for the holidays, um, and then, uh, reconvened in back in Chula Vista down in the Olympic training center again from, uh, early January through April sometime in April. Um, there was a, there was a small break in there, but, but we did a, a bulk of our training down there because you know, the and, weather's way better. And so when did the Olympics come into play? You said 2016. 
Yeah. So here's the other interesting thing is I, I mentioned 2015 world championships yep. are the uh, determiner if you if your country gets a spot in that boat class. So the United States yeah. men's eight, which was the boat class that we felt like we had the best shot of a medal in, um, did not qualify. So we basically were training all year in that boat um, to try and make that boat for the opportunity to go to Lucerne, Switzerland in May wow. for the last chance regatta which is literally it's called the last chance regatta because it's your last chance to make the team. Wow. And, um, and so they basically one race you, 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 uh, they line it up, say go. And the first two boats to the finish line, go to the Olympics and everyone else is done. And that's in Switzerland. Yeah. On probably one of the more beautiful race courses of all time. <laughs> I'm sure. So you yeah. ended up in Switzerland now. Yep. Had you ever been yeah. to Switzerland? Uh, I had been into Switzerland a handful of times for various training and races and that sort of thing. Um, wow. but this is my first time like competing at this high of a level in, in this, this in sounds like a sure. really expensive sport to be a part of. It is. Um, I mean, the, luckily, boat, the boat and the, what are they called? Oars. oars. You have to buy your own boat and oars too. So the, so no, um, that's where the, uh, the club or the national team comes in. Okay. Um, I did own a single, uh, which is, which roughly speaking depends on the manufacturer somewhere between seven and about 12 grand. And then the wow. oars themselves are one to two usually thousand, um, thousand. Yeah. Thousand for an oar. Yeah. yeah two set. <laughs> wow crazy right it is an yeah, expensive that's course. crazy Just well plus you have to have... make your own dude <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well they used to do that um yeah i'm sure that's that's part of the cool uh history of the of the university of washington i was mentioning earlier is they um wow. the gu a guy who literally used to do that uh did it on the uw campus and and wow. was very famous for that for many many years so so you ended up in switzerland and um lost <laughs> no, um, it was tight though. We were, uh, we were not having our best race. And I remember distinctly. So, so we break rowing races up in the spring and the, in the summer into 500 meter chunks. So four of them. So it's 2000 meter race. Okay. We crossed the 1500 meters. So we had about a minute and 20 seconds or so left in this race to decide. And we were in second, maybe third. Wow. And it was, um, I remember very vividly thinking in my mind, like, okay, like it's okay. Like if we lose, we lose, it's what it is. And then I said, no, you know, if, if we lose, it's because we got beat. It's not because we, I gave up. And so I remember just saying, I've got 80 strokes to put in the, the most juice into this thing that I can possibly muster right now. And, and then I, and then I went to work and I think everyone else had that collective moment at the same time. Cause the boat just picked up. And we, like I said, we're in third or second, but it was really close. And the, and the Polish were out in front of us by a handful of seats, which for reference is like 20 feet. Maybe it's not a huge yeah. margin, but it's, but a they're, good they're, they're rowing just as hard, just as hard. Exactly. Like, and so uh, we, yeah. we picked this thing up and, and shoved it forward and, and long story short, got, got our bow ball ahead across the finish line first and the and the three the top three boats were within a quarter second of each other. 
Oh my God. Are you kidding yeah. me? And the Italian, so it was us and the Polish and then the Italians and the Italians were on the short end of that stick and they, they were <laughs> not happy. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Yeah. It was nuts. Wow. Um, is there ever any, but, like, is it like a hockey match? You guys like beat each other with oars and <laughs> no, <laughs> that would make it probably a little more entertaining, but no, there was, uh, well, yeah, I'm, there, not miss, I'm not going to miss the or competition. Like there's going to, they're going to throw down at the end. So I want, so, I've always wanted to do some jousting personally. Yeah. So you, you, so you took first place. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank that's you. Yeah. And then, um, that, that, and that's in the, an eight man or a four man, eight man. Yep. Eight man yep. team. Um, and, and that, that solidified a position in the, in the Olympics for your Correct. team, which is yep. unbelievable. And and that would have been in 2016. What, what month of 2016? August. So this is kind of middle of May or late May. Okay. I don't remember exactly when. We and only so had then, a couple of months to train for the Olympics. Right. Holy schmoly, dude. And so that's kind of the other tough thing is, is in rowing you talk about when you want to peak so so different training methodologies sort of you know during the winter you do certain things and yeah. during the spring you do other things and and the goal to to peak at a certain time of the year ideally that's the olympics and so the people who didn't have to do that last chance regatta were still kind of rolling through their training cycle we kind of had to do this little peak come off of it for a second and then try and peak again at the olympics so yeah it's never a it's never an ideal path for that reason. Plus, yeah. it just puts a shitload of pressure on you um, yeah. early early in the cycle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so we we qualified, we did it, and and then we went back to New Jersey, and that was um, and we're and we just started getting back into training, and it was. And where, um, where were the Olympics? Rio de Janeiro. That must have sucked. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow what a terrible place to have to go row <laughs> Jeez. well everyone was all all worried about the water quality and the you know getting all the water sports getting sick and i will say that our the the venue we rode on there was one day when it was it was pretty gross because the way the the tide and the wind kind of came into that space um there was there was a section of it that got real nasty there but wow. um Overall, no one that I'm aware of got sick. So you you went to you went to the Olympics, which must have been what what an honor, man. That that had to have yeah. been like the honor of your life. Yeah, it was it was really I have to say it didn't really hit me until we went um, to processing. So so basically, when they give you all your gear, they t teach you all the stuff about social media and dealing with the press and all that stuff. Um, and it was like, unbelievable. I've, I've, you know, you go into the Nike room when your number is called and they have a personalized, um, uh, fitting room for you. And they have like your name up on the, on the mirror and they have like wow. all this stuff in the sizes that are supposed to fit you. You're either like, okay, try this outfit on. And they're like, oh, these shoes are too big. And they yell at someone, they bring you a new size of shoe. It's like, it's really like wow they're treating you well there <laughs> yeah i'm sure um, i'm sure so, and then, so wow that's amazing so you you were in and this is all in rio yep and, yeah so and, okay go all ahead in rio, exactly yeah. well it's 
I mean, then you get on the plane, you go to Rio, get in country, and then it's like, a, a I mean, Rio de Janeiro is, for anyone who's been there, is a very different world. Um, and have some very high highs, some really cool stuff and some real, you know, poverty. And we saw a lot of the favelas and stuff on the bus ride in. And it was, that was pretty wild to go in there and, and yeah. getting that sort of culture shock because I'd never been before. Um, but then once you're kind of in the village, you're, it's, you're kind of like got your blinders on. You're just like tuned into what it is you're trying to do, which is go metal and ideally get a gold one. And, uh, and, and rowing is in the first week, uh, as a, uh, as opposed to the second week. And so, um, we competed early and, um, so there were heats, there were, there was a rep and then there was a final and the heats, uh, we were second in, we lost, uh, we had Germany in our heat and we were second to them. We were a little rusty. Then we had to go to the rep. Um, and the rep basically eliminated one boat. And so it was pretty low likelihood of us getting, getting, um, nixed out of there, but we, uh, uh, had a really fantastic race actually, and, and ended up winning it and beating the Dutch wow. uh, who were our other big competition in that, in that, uh, race. And then we go into the final and the final is of course, that's it. That's, this is what you've trained 12 years for. And this is what you've trained all these, all these years for leading up to it. And, and up to this point, you now are officially um, hated by the Dutch, the Polish, and the Italians. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. Great, dude. Well, interestingly, globally, the, the, the Italians were actually in the regatta because if you recall anyone who's, who remembers this, the Russian Federation um, got smacked with a bunch of uh, doping scandals and all of that. You've seen Icarus on, on Netflix yeah. that kicked this off. Yeah. Um, I lived through a lot of that. So the Russian wow. men's team almost entirely got thrown out of the Olympics. They, they were down to four guys. So they had to put them into a four and the Russian men's eight was supposed to be in our event. And so then they got disqualified. So they pulled the Italians in because they were third at the qualifier Wow. And the Italians at that point there, they thought their season was over for a month or more. And so none of them were in shape. So they just were there for the party basically. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they got knocked out pretty easily in the, in the rep. So that's kind of why we knew it wasn't, everyone was going, who was serious. And, uh, but yeah. yeah, they were, they were not particularly our fans at that point. <laughs> wow. So you, so, so it was down to the, what'd you call it? The final, what? The A final, just the, the, the A level final. Yeah. Okay. And it was you and how many other teams in the final race? Five others. So we had, um, New Zealand, us, um, I can't remember who was on the other side of us. Um, I think it was the Netherlands, the Germans, the British and the, um, and the Poles. I don't okay. remember if it was exactly that lane order, but something like that. Um, okay. and how did it go? Uh, not as well as we wanted. We were, we ended up uh, spoiler alert. We ended up fourth and, uh, we just really didn't rowing is just as much a fitness endeavor and a power endeavor as it is a rhythm thing. 
and we just did not quite click into our rhythm. And that's, as they say, that's that 1% or that half a percent that if it's kind of just flowing and the blades are going in the water at the right time and everyone's kind of moving and flowing together, yeah. it's really magical when it goes right. But when it's not, it feels like you're kind of grinding gears. And that was us. Um, wow. And and it was, uh, you know, probably the most de devastating thing I've ever experienced in my sporting career, for sure. Um wow coming across that line fourth because that's it you're done there's wow. no there's no do-over no re-race and they don't have a medal for fourth place nope <laughs> yeah the top three boats row over to the metal dock and the uh, other three row back to the to the to the boat area and and take your riggers off and put your boat away and, and go find a go beer on. somewhere yeah wow wow a a yeah. beer <laughs> multiple <laughs> yeah. like, i don't even remember that night now so wow man that that has to be so you went from this high of holy crap we're in rio where where was it again rio de janeiro rio, rio de janeiro yep so here we are in we're representing the united states of america the men's rowing team i'm one of eight guys on this team yeah. That's insane, yeah. dude. That's that exactly. You know, so that by itself is massive. That's that puts you in the top 0.001% or or less in the entire world. So congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Um I remember the last time I rode in, in an Olympic event, it was um like never. So that's <laughs> that's 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 yeah. incredible. Um, and, and then you hit the low of, oh my God, we just lost. Yeah. Well, not just that we lost, that we failed. And, failed. and, yeah. you know, that's, <clears throat> you know, the show's breaking through walls and, yeah. you know, to sort of round out this story, um, you know, I, I can probably count on one hand, the number of times I cried about something in my rowing career. And one of the most memorable one was, was when we were done, you have to walk through this little zigzag maze of press. Um, oh. And so we got some interviews done. Um, and I, I was sort of like in shell shock. And then you go immediately to the area they call the kiss and cry area, which is where your family can go and, and see you. And I saw my mom and I just, I lost it, man. I was, I was a total wreck. And uh, wow. it was, from there, it was a lot of like self-loathing and a lot of thinking like, what should I have done differently? What could we have done better? Like, I can't believe that this is it. And uh, and this you know, isn't like the Super Bowl. Like, it's okay. We'll get them next year, guys. Right. It's every four years. And right. so then you're like, shit, if we do this, if I want to come back here, I have to wait. I have to do this all again for four more years. Train. And it, yeah, exact, you know, and I was 27 at the time. So I was like, I'll be 31 by the time I could have this opportunity again. Wow. And uh, so that all hit me pretty hard. And frankly, like, you know, people deal with that differently. A lot of guys went out and just, you know, went to all the parties and really trying to, you know, put it away. I, I didn't. Um, I spent a lot of time in my room, frankly, and kind of went to some events and went out sometimes and then not other times. And it was, you know, it was. There's, there's my buddy, Glenn, Glenn Morshower. I don't know if you know who he is or not, but. He's uh, he's a movie. He's uh, an uh, an actor. Um, Hans might enjoy seeing the trailer for Backwards. It's on YouTube. 
I'll check that what, out. Yeah. Check that out. I don't know what that's about. So, so you, you, you fell into, I would imagine some sort of a, uh, I mean, yeah, depression, uh, whatever. I mean, yeah. whatever it was, I was in it. Yeah. Um, so I, I ended up having a pretty good time. I went and saw some cool events. I saw, um, Usain Bolt run the four by one and, you know, some cool stuff and went to some fun parties and, you know, oh, you all got to stay for all the, all of the, the, rest oh, yeah. of the Olympics. Okay. That's the cool thing is when you're done for the first week, you basically just have an all access pass with your, with your badge, um, yeah. to get in pretty much anywhere you want. And, uh, you know, you go to the USA house, food and booze are free. And, you know, that was down on Copacabana beach. So that was, that, that was party central. Horrible. We had, Sounds horrible. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we had a good time and I was, you know, trying to live it up. Cause it's like, don't be a total depressed. Like how many people would love this experience? Like, don't be a total idiot about it, but right. You right. Know, it still felt this like sincere loss and like failure mode thing going on. Um, which didn't go away when I got home and I, you know, so then let, you go let me home. ask you, let me ask you a question though, man. Yeah. Let, let, let me, um, let me pull the scab off of that wound and throw some Bring salt it. into it. Um, how close were you to third place? I think we were, I think we were less than two seconds. That's unfreaking believable. Yeah. I knew you were going to say something ridiculous, like one, two. That's it. Yeah. I yep. mean, dude, that's it. like, that's crazy. Yeah. That's the difference. And, and that is, so I'm glad you actually brought that up because, um, the, the next part, like the next year and a half, I got into real estate and I started like, you know, listening to podcasts and started to really get into self-development and business and sales and all that stuff. Um, but I really had this like Eeyore dark cloud over me for a long time. And I saw a therapist and I saw, um, I got a life coach for a little while who actually both of whom really helped me kind of work through this and kind of re re-examine what had happened. And ultimately I came up with this, this thought that was simply, am I going to let to your point, two seconds or a five and a half minute race define a 12 year rowing career? And, and then right. the answer was either yes or no. So I could, I could let that define me, or I could remember all of the amazing, you know, races I had won, the records I had set in college and afterwards, all the personal achievements and the people I had met and the friends and dude, you, you represented know. the United States. Exactly. In the yeah. Olympics. That too. Exactly. Come right? on, man. That's insane. Well, that's the, you know, you asked about the professional rowing thing earlier and it's like, no, we were not professionals by pay, but like for all intents and purposes, yes, we were like, we, we focused on it. That's all we ate, slept, breathe, you know, oh. and that was everything I focused on for years was yeah. that race. Yeah. And, and, wow. and to sort of drill this home further, like I didn't consider the concept that the calendar would go to September of 2016, let alone 2017. Like it literally did not cross my mind what was going to happen after the Olympics. I did not care. And, and wow. I didn't even think about it. And I mean, that's how you have to be if you want to succeed and, and compete at that level. Yeah. And, and then it happened and I was totally unprepared for it. And I was completely just blown away because, you know, now it's over now. What? Like, and we failed. Like if we would have meddled, maybe there would have been some like, 
resolution there or like some achievement and like, yeah, we did it. And I don't know. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have, maybe it would have still been empty in a different way, but right. Um, right. But yeah, it was, it was, I was in it, man. Like I, like my dad, I told you was, uh, had a girlfriend. He, he eventually married, um, this woman who is, who's amazing. And I remember talking to her in sometime in 2017 or maybe it was 2016. And she's like, I feel like I'm actually getting to know you now, even though I've known you for two years. Cause I just had this shield yeah. up. Like I couldn't let laser, laser anything scrap. Yeah. I couldn't let anything get in the way. And, and I had to protect everything and just, you know, row the boat. That's what I was trying to do. Wow. Wow, dude. Well, first off, you're the very first Olympic anything that's been on my show. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, dude, that's freaking amazing. And 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 so um I I can't imagine that if you know if you can operate at that level, again, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's gotta be like one one millionth of 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 the of the entire globe's population that goes mm -hmm. to the olympics um yeah and so here you you are a um a an an olympic athlete and and now what what you get back to the u.s after the 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 competition we'll just leave it that and yeah. and and you went you said you saw a therapist and the mother what what happened for you next where did you go from there gosh i can't believe we've been on here 57 minutes already i know crazy huh what, um, what was next for you well i knew i needed to to take some time uh just to basically figure out what was next and um so I knew I wasn't going to compete that next year in, in 2017. So I, I that had that just as part of my plan. Um, and I knew I wanted to get into real estate in some capacity because my my family had been in real estate in a variety of ways. Um, in Seattle, my, uh, my grandfather is a big real estate developer and his sons took it over. My dad's a real estate attorney, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it just was sort of around me for a long time growing up. And yeah. I, I met through actually through host families that I would stay with down in San Diego, this couple who were real estate agents and flippers. And I didn't know it at the time, but that's what they were doing. And they had this cool lifestyle. He was training for an Ironman. They presumably, I felt like they lived a pretty cool lifestyle and had great kids and all that stuff. So I was like, what do you guys do? And they basically invited me to come down to Chula Vista and like learn about their business. And so I did. And they made me an offer to, to essentially get my real estate license and help them open up a satellite office up here in the Bay area. And they would support me on the back end and with, you know, the costs of everything. And then I would just have to do the work. And, yeah. um, so I took them up on that and because I figured it was flexible enough, I could get into real estate and give it a shot. Um, and I could also train if I needed to um, or wanted to. And, and so that basically took me in a direction of, of, of real estate, of being a real estate agent and an investor. Um, fast forward about two years, I had gotten some decent success. I mean, we, for anyone who knows about it, we were doing short sales and 
foreclosures. It was crazy. It was like the, what a way to start in yeah. the business. Wow. Um, but I learned a ton in a really short time, got some pretty thick skin. And then, uh, through mutual connections got connected with uh the gunderman group which is the they're the top agents in our in our area like no one sells over 100 million in our geography and they've been over almost over 200 for the last like four or five years so they're really wow. kind of an anomaly and that's like, where 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 is that again in the, the oakland berkeley okay. alameda east bay market Char charles coachman my buddy out there is 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 a realtor in the Bay area. That's, that's hilarious. We have a wow. lot of in the water sports. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. cause Cal has a lot of really great swimmers and water polo players and stuff. So there's yeah. a lot of Olympians that go to Cal yeah. or come from Cal rather. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I basically got through mutual connections, um, met them socially. And then I was like, you know what, if, if, if I'm going to do this, like I want to do this at the level that I used to, you know, compete at, at the Olympics, like I need to get on the best team. And, um, so I, I pitched them as to why I should be a member of their team. And, and wow. mind you, they had never hired anyone who wasn't basically a friend or someone who was sort of just in their world. Yeah. And so I was, so I basically made a pitch of like, here's what I'm really good at. And here's how I can apply it to your business. I can help you get some more time back to spend with your kids. I can, you know, take this certain things off your plate. And I, I basically, with my wife, we crafted this, um, this reach out message and it was so cool. Um, cause they responded <laughs> and they were like, this is interesting. Like, let's get together. And so that was a three hour meeting. Then we did another one that was another three hour meeting. And I was like, there's another way to do real estate and these guys have figured it out and I want to learn. And so wow. I, I basically, they made it, made me an offer to come join, um, which was really hard to leave my previous team because they had given me my start, but it was just like, if I'm going to do this, I need to do this. Wow. And, um, they understood and it was, it was okay. And, uh, long story short is I got into that team and realized like I can make a difference here. And then this can sort of, help me build my trajectory in, in such a cool way. So I just got real curious. I asked a lot of questions. I was a sponge. I used every cliche thing that I had ever learned as an athlete and applied it to this and applied it wow. to basically being coachable, working really hard, following up, you know, all of that stuff. And, um, this year, you know, I've had an unbelievable year. I'm, I'm over 30 million in, in volume this year, which by wow. all counts is in the top 1% of any agent in the East Bay. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know where, where it's going with the team, but I'm hoping that I get, you know, continue to get more opportunities and continue to add value to that team. And, and, you know, obviously our clients as well, but it's, it's, um, you know, it all kind of stemmed from those various breakthroughs that I had, uh, you know, deciding to overcome the adversity through my rowing career and then definitely in my real estate career as well. But, you know, it's so, uh, it's been kind of a ride. I, I have I have a little surprise kind of for you that. Um, so Glenn, who's on here, he's watching um, Glenn. Do, I don't know. Do you know who he is? Glenn Morshauer? Uh, no, it doesn't, does he, not. I don't know. He played agent Aaron Pierce on the TV show 24. He was in Blackhawk oh, cool. down and, 
He was in Air Force One. He's on a current TV show called The Resident um, out of on Fox television. So he was in a movie in 2012 where he was the coach of the Olympic rowing team. And I, I, he wants no me to, yeah, I'm going to show you this little, the, the, the trailer. He wants to get your opinion on it. He said, I think, right. do you have a minute left? Yeah. To yeah. Do this? Let, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's show, let's show this clip. I'm going to show it right now. Let's go full screen and let's get your feedback. Sit ready. Attention. Row. In the life of a competitive rower. It's all about focus. With improvement, that could have been terrible. I don't understand. No, you're disappointed. I won the seat race. I deserve to be in that boat. My decision's made. You can change your mind. He's <laughs> 30 years old. I'm 29 and a half. The rowing thing hasn't worked out. It is time for you to move on. Get a job. Abby Brooks. Jeff. How long's it been? Five years? All right, girls, I found your new coach. Not only is she an Olympic athlete, she's a pretty cool chick. A pretty cool chick? What? Going again, whenever you're ready. You guys dated forever. You're honestly going to tell me you don't think he has feelings for anymore. I honestly don't think he has feelings for me anymore. <laughs> <sighs> to the top, use those legs. Come on, let's go. I think they have the talent to go to heaven. But to do it, you guys got to work harder. today. I was under the impression you wanted them to win. No, in high school, Abby. You hired me to coach. Let me do my job. And let me do mine. I need someone in that boat who knows how to win. Me? I'm training these girls. This is your time. Shout out to Cole. What about the girls? You're bonding with them. They trust you. It's the Olympics. I have seen something I haven't seen in a long time. I've seen you happy. We're just a job to you. That's not true. You made a choice and now the glory's here? You just breeze on in as if that's such a God-given right? It's not. Oh, spare me today. I know you can do this. I just need you to decide that you want to. Knowing is an art. We don't see the work that went into creating it, but it should be beautiful. Yeah. You know, I remember watching that movie. Oh, you've <laughs> now, seen it? Now that now that you bring it up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's Glenn Glenn was that's so that's funny that he actually was in a in a movie with the 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 Olympic rowing team thing. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. I I've always wondered who they got to consult on that movie cuz it's uh, you know, it's 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 in the ballpark. Is it? <laughs> It's in the ballpark. So, so let me ask you a question. I, I'm curious. Um, I know that you're you're killing it in real estate. It, it sounds like, um, which again, that's that's a that's an eat what you kill business, oh, yeah. right? Um, oh, which yeah. I can't imagine. Like, I could not imagine that you, after being at the levels you've you've experienced, um, that you would want to work for you know, a hundred thousand dollar a year salary job. Like I can't, I can't, I don't see that with you. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting cause you're right. Um, but it also took me a lot longer to get to the, you know, the hundred K mark and over, um, 
than I thought it would because to your point, being a real estate agent and just an entrepreneur in general is, is tough and you got to learn a lot of tough lessons and, you know, fail and not to say I didn't make money or didn't have a good time or learn stuff, but it's like that learning curve is, it takes longer to get and climb than, than most people think. How, How many doors, not, not necessarily with your sales career, but how many doors in general has um, being an Olympic athlete in you know the past? How many doors has it opened for you? Yeah, uh, a lot. I mean, it's an it's a word that I get to throw out now, yeah, um, right? That just gets people's attention, and um, you know whether it's asking them to come on my podcast, pitching them to be on theirs, telling a client, like I'm an Olympic athlete. Um, you know, that, that in a word says a lot about somebody's ability, you know, to, to execute and to have high character and, you know, whatever, whatever else it means, it means something. So it's, it's, it's one word that describes a lot, which has, yeah, that helps regularly all, almost all the time. Wow. Dude. I, I like, Wow. I, I, this has been a great interview, man. You're, um, you're a good dude and, and thank you. Huge congrats to you again for even like, I mean, you're an Olympic athlete. Like that's, that's crazy. You know, and I'll, I'll finish with this is, you know, it's funny that you're like, I, I see, I definitely know that part of myself and I lived that of course, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily sort of dwell on it in the same way. Like yeah. I, it was part of me a hundred percent. And I, and I introduced myself as such. It, it formed me, it shaped me, you name it, it's there. But I also had a conversation with my girlfriend, now wife, Kristen, uh, when she was considering retiring, that really stuck with me. Is like, what if the Olympics is like the third coolest thing we ever do? And, and now I'm like, okay, like what would that life look like? You know? Yeah. And, and I, nothing against people becoming rowing coaches or whatever, but I, I have a lot of, of, of friends who were Olympians and medalists and stuff who then go to coach rowing. And if that's your thing, great. But I, I feel like there's a lot of people who kind of rest on that one, rest on that laurel, if you will. And, and then don't go attack life and their business or whatever it is that they want to do with the same tenacity they did with the Olympics. And, and for me and for me and my wife in particular, we want to, figure out what what would make the olympics the third coolest thing in the world because if we even if we fail that's probably a life worth living you know what man that is such a great way to to man that's what a what a great way to to frame it like that's a great way to frame it because it's like, uh, what's the movie animal house. There's the, the old dude that's, that's like 40 years old, still stuck in, in, in his college days. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But he's exactly. living, he can't get out of that, that frame. So oh, yeah. hundred percent here. Glenn says it's powerful branding to carry the word Olympian. It's true, man. Yeah. Big time. I mean, uh, dude uh, so so massive congratulations to you um yeah thank you you're you're a freaking rock star real life rock star that's that's amazing <laughs> and 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 i i i i wish nothing but continued success for you and everything that you're doing 
Um, it sounds amazing. And Charles Coachman is a realtor out in your area. You guys should probably get to know each other. He's a great guy, man. Really good. Right dude. on. Good friend yeah. of mine. Yeah. Hit him up on uh, Facebook after this yeah. for sure. Yeah. So Hans, thank you. And it's Strazina. Strazina. Nailed, Nailed it. That was great. I didn't even have to look at the cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. You, you killed it on that one. And, and that's rare, man. I'll tell you, most people do not get it on the first couple of tries. But that's good because <laughs> you can tell when a telemarketer is calling. I know immediately. <laughs> Yeah. What is the, what is the, uh, is that, what's the origination? Where, where's Struzina from? Where, what's, uh, we're German, uh, okay. German by descent. And, okay. um, it's, it's an, it's a part of the world, which is now in Western Poland is where my grandfather grew up. Okay. Um, it was Prussia and, you know, through wars and what have you, yeah. the borders have moved a trillion yeah. times. So, yeah. uh, but we're, we're technically German. Wow. Very cool, man. Hans, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story, your your experience, your strength, your hope, your your man. What a powerful story. So thank you for being here. I appreciate it. I'm going to end the live stream now. Thank you to everyone who's watched and shared this out. Hans, thank you so much, man. Hang tight. Don't hang up on me. Um, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It's an honor. And dude, uh, keep, thank keep you. killing it with your show, man. I, I love this show. Thank you, man. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for being a part of it. My pleasure. We'll see you guys later. Have a great day.